morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. We're back today with Gary Kent. If those who were listening last week will recall that we started to work our way through the, um, I'm not sure how to describe them exactly, Gary. I guess they are being uh, set up for approval by by LTA and NSPS, although the committee has approved them. So we're not anticipating right. any issues. Hopefully not. I, I, I don't anticipate any. So, yeah, they'll be voted what by uh, ALTA on October 8th and NSPS on October 9th, if everything Correct. goes as, as set. Right. And then, of course, uh, for those who might not have been listening last week, the effective date will once again be February 23rd. So we're looking forward to that. And as we discussed last time, we... There are a lot of a lot of red ink on this paper, but as you pointed out, a lot of that is related to repositioning some of the things so that they are more recognizable or, or maybe more appropriate for where they belong, and hopefully will also help people better understand the the criteria. Yeah, and actually, when we get to Table A, we'll find that also we've really tried to improve on the wording so so it's more clear as to whose responsibility is is what and when and and I think we've done the committee's done a pretty good job with that yeah as a matter of fact when we get to table a maybe we'll talk a little bit about that most recent thing that came up where we talked to our general friends about some questions yes. somebody had and yeah um, and of course those those things that we do with those guys, I think, are really helpful, and we put them in news and views when we get, you know, when they as they come up, and then they write a little article for us from time to time. Um, but I, I think it is helpful for people to hear that perspective. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah, I I really agree with that. Well, as we were departing last time, we were talking about the plat and the boundary descriptions and the dimensions and the closures and. We talked about the point of beginning. I think we possibly got through that one, whether or not it's a re- uh, remote point of beginning. I remember making some comment about descriptions and deeds in Maryland having several, almost a paragraph sometimes, of leading up to the actual start of beginning. Um, right, and, and, and the other thing we stuck in there was uh, was ground dimensions. That, that issue comes up every now and then. Uh, with GIS and you know surveys getting put into GIS, and so we did clarify on 6B3 that any dimensions on the face of the survey need to be ground. Right. Because anybody other than us looking at, and us, I mean collectively as the surveying profession, are going to think they're ground anyway. So that's what they when they should be that because that's what the actual descriptions are. Not not right. Really. We, exactly. we haven't gotten to that yet. And I, I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts about that. I'm not sure if we'll ever get to that, but I would think not. I, you know, I don't. I, 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 I have a hard time thinking that we we would, uh, because I don't think descriptions are ever going to change. At least not the meets and bounds types of descriptions. But uh, you know, there may be some accommodation for uh, for when a survey is going to get recorded. But I, at least at this point in time, I see that as being between the surveyor and the jurisdiction as to how they want to handle that. Yep, exactly. Um, that and that's all. Not, I shouldn't say recorded. I shouldn't say recorded. I mean put into a GIS. Right. Yeah, and that that's a sort of a um, 
a sealed environment, if you will, of you know yeah. how, de- how you're dealing with things and and that um, uh, status not out when you're measuring on the ground, of course. By the way, mm-hmm. I, uh, before we get too far, I'll mention I, I got a call as I was traveling to the NCES conference last week from uh, a group that does uh, a radio show. I think they do it weekly, maybe uh, related to real estate. And so I'm gonna, they're, I'm gonna be on a phone call with them tomorrow to record a show to talk about people's property and when they run into issues and why they need surveyors and that kind of thing. So that'll be kind of interesting. Ah, excellent. Yeah, that's a great opportunity. Yep, it will. Well, as we get to uh, 6B4, we're talking about distances, curved data, those kind of things. And there were a couple of places in there where we changed some wording. Again, for clarification, and that yeah, the uh, I I would always tell people that six B four has to do with with the ability of a person really to probably sit down with a handheld calculator and complete uh, compute a closure on the on the boundary on the on the face of the plat or the map. I mean, that's really what that's talking about. And then there's a note if it doesn't mathematically close. And then we talk about basis of bearings, and we said uh, that the basis of bearings needs to be given, and when it differs from the record basis, that the difference needs to be shown. But the, the fact is that uh, the basis of bearing, you know, there can be a difference between uh, the record basis and the survey basis at more than one location. It might differ differently. For example, uh, you know, there might be one course that you go down a road and and the record says it's X and you have surveyed it maybe on state plane as being uh, X plus or minus whatever. And then the next course goes along a railroad and the record has that as something, but you determine that to be something different also. So you could actually have on those two lines uh, different differences between record and and. Uh, and what was surveyed, and so we just tried to clarify that with that item. Right, and and I'm, I think that was a good change because with the word when, when we had it in there before, the the one could surmise that you simply mean we do one rotation and it applies to everything, uh, rather than as you pointed out, it's going to be different from, from right. time to time as you go from course to course. So that, that makes makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, the the curved data things always perplexed me a bit. I've, Never understood the reluctance to put. If you don't put full data, at least put enough where you can solve the the, the curve. Uh, oh yeah, I, it's it's amazing to me how frequently you see uh, surveys that don't have enough curve data on them. I it, that that seems like a really basic thing, but yeah, hmm. it sure does. And um, I, I, a surveyor I knew years ago when I was learning never put curves. He he did series of little chords, regardless of how small they were, just because he hated doing curves, <laughs> which was kind of an interesting way of doing things. But yeah. I do see those every now and then on older surveys. Yeah, yeah you do. And then um, the, in five, of course, we're talking about any remainders of, uh, of recorded lots. Yeah, and all, all we did with five was a very minor rewording. Instead of saying that the remainder does not need to be included as part of the survey, uh, we said the remainder need not be included as part of the survey. Uh, and, of course, that item has to do with if, if you're doing a cutout out of a larger 
parcel or a larger lot that you need to have some sort of detail showing where that cutout sits with respect to the larger lot, but you don't actually need to survey the larger lot other than as would be necessary to locate the parcel that you're creating. Sure. And then on uh, on 6B6, um, we added some wording there uh, for clarification um, so that people weren't confused about some some something related to water that may or may not be a title line. Right. So, yeah, we just added, uh, I think what it, what it used to say was when the survey property includes a water boundary, and what we changed that to say when the surveyed property includes a title line defined by a water boundary. And I think that's a really good improvement. It makes it much more clear. Right. Absolutely. And then, again, as we're going down through the rest of, of B there, um, there are several places where we did clarification language, and then um, in in 9, we put in a whole new set of wording there. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah, the, the others, as you're talking about, uh, 7, so we didn't even change anything in 8, and 9, uh, there was that issue of dimensioning or locating buildings and how they were dimensioned that actually at one point we had the dimensioning in section 5 which didn't make really any sense because that's the field work so we added this item here about uh, how the buildings are to be uh, located in dimension and it says that location of all buildings on the surveyed property located to pers- uh, pursuant to section 5d which said locate all the buildings observed in the process of, of uh, uh, conducting the survey, dimensioned perpendicular to those boundary lines that the surveyor deems appropriate. And then, parenthetically, we said, for example, where potentially impacted by a setback line uh, and, then, and, and or as requested by the client lender or insurer. So we're trying to let the surveyor use their professional judgment as to what, you know, what are the appropriate sides of the property that there should be a dimension shown to a building. I recall in our discussion at the at the committee, we we actually spent quite a bit of time on that discussion trying to get that wording. Yes, we did. <laughs> so it made sense. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, we had a we had a different version earlier, and uh, which which I thought was entirely appropriate, but the wording there just was no way to make uh, good clean wording with it. I think this is much more appropriate, and it and and, and surveyors know. You know, we we look at a property, we look at a building, we know what what boundary lines uh, might be. A, an issue and that we should show the dimensions to. Right. And then uh, 10, 11, 12, we had a, a, a few words inserted or changed. Yeah, 10, just just pursuant. Uh, 11, let's see, 11 is a new item, actually. We said that uh, if, if, if we were, for those who were listening last week, we have an item in Section 5C that says we need to be showing the improvements on all, basically all improvements that we observe within five feet of both sides of any perimeter boundary. Of course, the problem being that that there may be a, 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 a privacy fence or a brick wall or something you can't even see over the boundary. And so uh, the new item 6B11 says to put a note on the face of the platter map uh, identifying what areas, if any, there were on the boundaries that physical access was restricted. And, and I think that's a good idea 
because uh, you know it, it will then close any question about well did they just forget to show anything or couldn't they see what what was going on here so I think that was an entirely appropriate item on um, on 12 this is uh, a, a change that's consistent with what we changed in section 4 on research which was to now here identify the source of a title commitment or other title evidence provided pursuant to section 4 and and under section 4 uh, we it, it used to say show all uh, all uh, um, or show the the current title commitment and we change that to say title commitment or other title evidence uh, that a uh, that would be satisfactory to the insurer right so well, this is just consistent with that uh, 10 or 12 seconds away from break here. So when we come back, we'll pick up on the changes and, and wording uh, additions to uh, easements and servitudes and, and other things in B, so or 6B. So we'll be right back. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. And we're back continuing to look at the proposed, I guess at this point, changes for 2016 version of the ALTA NSPS land title survey requirements. We we have made our way in and through a number of items in six, uh, which are related to the, the plat itself. And we're down to C now, where we're dealing with easement servitudes, rights of way, access, and documents. So, and and the very first item under C, we looks like we added the word location. Right. It it used to say the width and recording information of all plottable rights of way easements and servitudes. 
burdening and benefiting, and, and we've added the, the word location. Uh, and then the other change consistent with Section 4, which we have dropped the phrase record documents out of the standards and have just replaced it with uh, documents uh, provided to the surveyor, and that's consistent yeah. with Section 4, which I think was a good change. And maybe you want to elaborate on that, because you know, surveyors, when you say documents, uh, maybe everybody will understand that what you mean there is it could be something that comes from somebody's file somewhere at one of these utilities or something. So, not right, just something right, that's documents. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's why. And and previously we used that phrase record documents, even though when you read it, it could possibly have included documents that were not what we would call documents of public records. So we just felt it was appropriate to jettison that term record documents and uh, and then just clarify what was to be provided and what was the surveyor's responsibility. And then uh, uh, C2 is is where we and, and and this one that's the one that if I'm remembering correctly I'm one of those people who tends to put everything down whether or not it affects and then say whether or not it affects but that's not necessarily something everybody does. No, I think most people don't. I do hear from people every now and then. Uh, we're talking about Schedule B-2 of the title commitment, which may list 17 items, and of which only four are easements. I think most, at least by my experience in talking to surveyors around the country, I think most of us, myself included, only list those items that uh, are, in essence, plottable which would be easements, uh, we may go ahead and list uh, uh, covenants, restrictions, covenants, those get on there sometimes, even though there may or may not be anything plottable in there. But in any event, um, Section uh, 6C2, we are asking for a summary of all rights-of-way easements uh, or, and servitudes, burden and properties surveyed and identified in the title evidence provided to the surveyor pursuant to Section 4. And then and then we say this summary should have certain things in it. And I, 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 you know, some people may kind of format it like a, a table, right? And the summary shall include uh, the record information of each right-of-way easement or servitude, a statement indicating whether or not it is shown on the plat or the map, and a related note if, and then we have like six or eight items when there would be a related note. For example, uh, I don't know where it is. A record document doesn't really indicate where that location is, uh, or there was no observed evidence of that, or it's a blanket easement, or it is not on or does not touch the surveyed property, which is preferable wording than saying it doesn't affect the surveyed property, which is right. really a title determination. Right. Uh, whether or not it, it limits access to an otherwise abutting right-of-way, for example, might have been a acquisition of abutters' rights. Uh, whether or not the documents are illegible, which happens. And then uh, finally, uh, whether the surveyor has information indicating that it has been released or terminated. And um, so those are those are examples of the types of notes I think that would be appropriate and that was, would be very helpful to the title company when they're reviewing the survey. Yeah, and I, I think the wording that, that we've used there, uh, particularly at the beginning of that part where we list those A through G where it says, and a related note if, 
sometimes you start reading the the, um, the standards and you think, oh my God, I've got to try to do that. I don't know anything about that. And so I think that helps people grasp that concept that these are things you do if you have the information, but you obviously can't create it out of whole cloth or you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, I, and I think we've done a lot of that type of wording, those wording improvements this time around. Yep, I, I would agree with that. And then we're going to talk about uh, when a parcel is made up of uh, multiple parcels, or the survey includes multiple parcels. Yeah, and most of the time the title companies are pretty good at figuring out which parcel is impacted by which easement, for example, uh, but not always. And what we've said is that when a, when the surveyed property is uh, the, the sum of multiple parcels, that we need to indicate which parcel is affected by which of the easements, servitudes, and rights of way. And I, and I just used affected, but what the requirement says is uh, which of those parcels the various rights of way easements and servitudes cross or touch. So it's a it's a where issue. Right. Yeah. And again, I think all of those changes we made this time in in my mind and I I'm sure certainly the committee also believes that they are important and helpful to make things more clear. Uh, absolutely. I think there's a tremendous amount of stuff. Uh, gosh, I, I think you'd probably agree. Ninety, ninety-five percent of the changes to the standards are, are are just things to help surveyors better understand what their requirements are. And, uh, clarifying. Right. Yeah, they do, and uh, I think they're also also can be helpful to the to the title attorneys or whoever's reading these on the other side too, because everybody's going to have their own interpretation of what things if mean if we're not specific so I think it is right. really important for everybody involved and then down in in uh, four we we talk about right away abutting or crossing the property yeah uh, it used to just say the widths of rights of way and the source of information uh, I always said the location and widths of rights of way abutting or crossing the surveyed property and the source of that information uh, where it's available for the controlling jurisdiction or where it was disclosed in, in documents that were provided to or obtained by the surveyor. Um, and, and this references back to Section 4. And, and for those who weren't on last week, Section 4 outlines a, a list of, of documents that are to be provided to the surveyor. But one of the things we've never addressed in the past is, well, but what if they aren't provided? And Section 4 now addresses that, and it says if, if none of these documents are forthcoming, then the surveyor has to uh, research and obtain those documents that would otherwise be required according to their uh, jurisdictional requirements for states that have standards. So what, what, you know, what would their standards require that they obtain? I don't really think we can go much beyond that. Uh, but that's that's why the wording here. And so uh, this item 6C4 also implies that uh, if you were not given these record documents, that you would need to check with the controlling jurisdiction to see if there are if there is information related to locational widths of of rights of way. And I think most surveyors would be doing that anyway. But that's uh, that's what that's doing. Right. And and again. Uh 
you're talking about documents provided uh, to the surveyor or obtained by the surveyor, uh, and you mentioned Section 4 there. So that I think that makes things very specific. When we get down to, to D on, on presentation, we have uh, some fairly significant well, it looks significant <laughs> when you look yeah, at what we've stricken and what we've put, but really it's just sort of maybe a replacement is a better term. I don't know. That is that is a better term. Uh, and, and, you know, this is consistent. I, I've gotten involved in, in drafting bills for for legislature and stuff, and, and they like things listed out. And if people remember what this item used to look like, it said that you know the the survey shall include, and it had a whole long list of things, uh, not not itemized out, but just a list separated by commas, north arrows and symbols and abbreviations and legends and vicinity maps. And what we did is we broke those out, so uh, so there is actually a a lettered list of each item, which I think makes it far easier to uh, to understand what's supposed to be on there. I think the only thing we added actually was uh, notes explaining any modifications to the Table A items. Uh, you know, we've always said Table A is negotiable, and and the surveyor may need to qualify it, and all of those things. And what we've said here is that if, in fact, that happened, somebody said, "Well, I want you to do Table A item." X, and you said, well, I can kind of do that, but here's what I'm going to do with respect to that, uh, then this item says, well, you need to explain that, because otherwise, all you've got is a certification that says, I did table A item X, but, but you actually may not have done exactly what was written out in item X, and so this would help uh, the, the reader of the survey understand what they're actually looking at. Right. And then, of course, the the name change is reflected there as well. The name change is reflected, right? Right. Um, let's see. We, yeah, and that's that's really it for for section six uh, D because the huge majority of that was just separating all those items out into a discrete list rather than a big paragraph of things jammed into there. Yeah, I think one that, that maybe is a good clarification uh, is is in item three where we say when recordation or filing of the plats required by law, plats should be produced in a recordable form. I, I can see where that's important because obviously if I've got a, a drawing that's 40 by 40 or something, I'm going to have to <laughs> and then just throw it at somebody and say, here you go, take this. So Yeah, and I'm sure and, that's what we're talking about. Right, and of course, what ends up happening is it gets shrunk down to eight and a half by eleven, and nobody can read it whatsoever. Yep. So, yeah, and that was in there before, but kind of buried. So it's its own separate item now. I think is good. Right, and then under deliverables, we we just changed a little bit of wording on the digital part to hopefully make it more clear as well. Um, yeah, and that's in yeah, that's under section eight. eight, right? Yeah. So that gets us pretty much uh, yeah. caught up, and we're going to have two whole segments to cover everything in Table A. So we, I'm, I'm, I wanted to save plenty of time to be able to do that, and maybe we'll have more than enough yeah. time, and we can, we can talk further about uh, 
scheduling and all those kind of things if we if we need to do that. But I did want to leave plenty of time to go through Table A because that's always seems to be the one that causes the most discussion. So we're right yeah, and now. and probably the we'll, the most the, the most changes this time. Yeah, well, let's take our break. We'll be right back. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. Did you miss a show that you really wanted to hear? All of our programs are available for download on AmericasWebRadio.com and on iTunes. You can listen to your favorite programs on AmericasWebRadio.com anytime you like. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. So now, Gary, we are to the uh, Sunday with the cherry on top part of the standards. <laughs> for some reason, uh, Table A always seems to get more discussion than almost anything. As a matter of fact, so much discussion occurs about Table A, sometimes I wonder if if folks actually read the rest of it very carefully. Makes you wonder, yeah. yeah it does it make does. you wonder. But um, uh, it has been, ever since its inception, has been um, a focus of a lot of attention and and misunderstanding. I mean, just from the perspective of still today, uh, I hear people who don't seem to get the fact that it's optional. Right, Yeah. Yeah, well, we so in our introductory note, we specified that there are 21 items of Table A, and we say they may be negotiated between the surveyor and client. And then we added a sentence to address a problem that has been going on ever since Table A came into existence, and that is we said any additional items negotiated between the surveyor and the client shall be identified as 22A, 22B, 22C, so that we don't get questions. And I, you've probably had them. I've had them. Somebody calls and says, I need a copy of the standards. And I say, well, it's the 2011. They're out there. And they say, no, 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 that's not them because that only has 21 items. And I've got a list from a client that shows 27 items. <laughs> yeah. And then there's just great confusion over over this. And so 
we said, no, if there's any additional items, they all fall under 22, and you can number them 22A, 22B. And, um, and I, I think we've seen situations where people fairly liberally just decided they would name them, even in, in certain requirements that folks might send out for particular surveys, and they would add 22 through 40 or whatever they put on the thing. Right, and, right, uh, right. So this, this puts everybody on notice at the very beginning. Exactly, yeah. Uh, otherwise, uh, item one on monuments, we did add, uh, you know, there's a caveat there that says to, to set them uh, unless already marked or referenced by existing monuments or witnesses. And I had had a comment from someone who said that there were uh, surveyors out there who were using this as an out to not set anything because they would say, well, the building, which happens to be 120 feet away, is actually a witness to the corner. And they were using that as a to gain a competitive edge, saying, well, I don't have to set a monument because there's a building 120 feet away. And so we added the words in close proximity to the corner. Uh, there will be people who want us to uh, define what that means. But, uh, <laughs> I was just going to say that's going to be the next As you know, yeah. But, but we can't do that. That's up to the judgment of the surveyor. But, you know, in my opinion, that means pretty darn close, you know, within a couple feet probably. But everybody's going to look at that a little differently. It certainly doesn't mean 120 feet. So in the case of a pen farm, would I guess some people would say, well, we just show all the pens and say the real one's in there someplace. Yeah, yeah, and don't set your own uh, sixth one. There's already five there. Don't set the sixth <laughs> one in there. <laughs> uh, item uh, two, we just made a very minor change to the address requirement. Uh, flood zone, we didn't change. Gross land area, we didn't change. Uh, vertical relief, we didn't change. Get to item six, which is zoning, and we spent, a, as you know, Kurt, a tremendous amount of time talking about this and uh uh, I, and I think we've come to something that is very workable, and I'm I'm really perfectly happy with it. Um, what what it used to say, and I don't, you, maybe you have a comment, Kurt, on this. Why don't you add a, any comment you have on the zoning? Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's always been difficult, I think, uh, because surveyors aren't zoning attorneys. Um, and I think it's difficult to to say with some level of certainty, which you're going to do when you sign this this survey, that you really know all the facts. When in many cases you don't. I mean, the fact that something shows up on a particular zoning map may or may not be the current zoning. Right. And that's that's been the one one of the ones that's always bothered me a bit. When when people say, well, it's really simple to do. I think we even had that discussion in the committee at one point. Yeah, we did. Yeah, and, we did. Uh, <clears throat> so anyway, I just that that was the only thing I had to say about it was that I, I'm glad we're trying to hone in on this better so that it is more clear. Yeah, to everybody. And what what we've done is first of all, the current six A says the current zoning classification as provided by the insurer. Well, what we know is that. Hardly anybody wants to just to say what the current zoning classification is. They always want the setbacks in the height and floor space area. So we actually struck that item. We also struck, as provided by the insurer, 
uh, because the title companies, we found out very quickly, even though ALTA had had adopted these with us, we found out that that the agencies didn't want to provide the information, and and there are a couple reasons for that, which which are fine. But what we did is we modified that so six A now says this: uh, if set forth in a zoning report or letter provided to the surveyor by the client, list the current zoning classification setback requirements, the flight, the height and for space area restrictions and parking requirements, uh, end of sentence, then identify the date and source of the report or letter. So I think the key thing there is it, the surveyor needs to be provided a zoning report or a letter that needs to be provided to the surveyor. The surveyor is not going to be expected to go out and get it. I'm not going to be doing zoning research. That information needs to be provided. And then the requirement is then just list the information that is in that letter. Uh, 6B now gets down to the issue that is bothersome to a lot of people, uh, which is to draw those lines, the setback lines, on there. And so what 6B now says is, if the zoning setback requirements are set forth in a zoning report or letter provided to the surveyor by the client, and if those requirements do not require an interpretation by the surveyor, graphically depict the building setback requirements uh, and identify the date and source of the report or the letter. So I think that's a tremendous improvement. It allows a surveyor who says, you know, I can't do it. It requires interpretation. I can't do it. Uh, it allows that, and it also, again, puts the burden on on someone else providing that information to us. Now, if a surveyor wants to negotiate with the client, say, I'll, I'll go do that and you know, research myself, they can do that. That's fine, uh, but, but it certainly wouldn't be required. All right, and, and my recollection, this was another one we spent a fair amount of time on in the committee. Yeah, we probably we spent at least an hour on this item. Yeah, I remember, yeah. I remember a lot uh, probably of more drawings than that, actually. going on up on the flip chart <laughs> trying yeah. to, yes, uh, to <laughs> define what this meant or, or what setbacks actually mean and, and those kind of things. And just this is a question perhaps not specifically related to... Uh, the, the LTA and SPS surveys totally, but when we talk about floor space, mm-hmm. um, one of the things we're working on here at NSPS with an international group is what they call the International Property Measurement Standards. For for and the ones that we've worked on so far are for buildings, floor space. They're trying to find a a international definition of how you define floor space because it's all over the map. It seems, um, which I think is a pretty good idea because when you're when you're trying to give space information to people, folks make different determinations about what it is you're showing. Oh, yeah, like like net or, or whatever, yeah. Exactly. And, and, yeah. The wording, and the wording here comes directly out of uh, the zoning endorsement, the title company zoning endorsements, which is floor space area restriction, which is really the ratio of coverage on the property is really what it is. Right. Uh, the, the, the thing the, I like about what the, they're doing the, with their... Uh, with our property management, property measurement standard is, it's more about what you measure and not how you measure, so that everybody's mm-hmm. measuring to the same thing, which which I think yep. is, is a good deal. Yeah, I think that'd be a, a, a really good thing to define. When I, as I've run into that, I'm sure you have too. That somebody wants to know what the 
net, you know, what the net area in a building is. Like, well, you know, what, including walls, uh, not. What about stairwells? What about elevator shafts? Uh, right. What about atriums that extend four floors up? And there's all kinds of issues. Yeah. So we we didn't uh, change seven for good reasons. Mm-hmm. So that that makes good sense. So I guess our next change, really, we made some changes over in eight. Yeah, eight was kind of that catch-all for all of those sidewalks and flagpoles and landscaped areas and stuff that is not otherwise required in the standards, but that most of us include on a survey. And we uh, we added an exa- there were examples in there such as parking lots, billboards, signs, swimming pools, landscaped areas, and we added an item: substantial areas of refuse. And the reason we added that is because we have deleted the table A item that was calling for the surveyor to uh, provide evidence of sanitary landfills, sumps, uh, and all of all of that. And we decided, I think, that commercial property doesn't change hands nowadays unless there is a phase one environmental or a, a quote-unquote update to a phase one environmental. And uh, and so these are someone else's responsibilities to be looking for evidence of, of uh, sanitary landfills. But the trade-off was, the, the, and which I think is a good one under Table A Item 8, you know, if we are doing the survey and we see some big trash dump back there, uh, which which happens on larger pieces of property where somebody has been going in there and dumping stuff that we need to to uh, show that. Absolutely. And then in the striping, uh, we just made some changes to hopefully be more more clear and more specific. Yeah, uh, definitely more clear. I think we we clarified the the uh, marked spaces. Uh, and we said of clearly to, to number and type of clearly identifiable parking spaces on surfing surface parking lots and areas and in parking structures. But then it says striping of clearly identifiable parking spaces on surface parking areas and lots. So it it becomes clear under item nine that you don't have to show striping inside parking uh, parking structures. You know. Um, uh, yeah. Um, parking garage type of thing, or subsurface, or whatever. Yeah, and I that, think that's that gets to be a fairly uh, laborious test, uh, task if you're going to going to try to do that. So, and we got we got 30 seconds before we break. I was just thinking when I saw the disabled one that discussion we got into not too long ago about someone was asked to show handicapped spaces, and there was a question about. Well, how do you define that? Is it the right size? Is it not the right size? <laughs> you know, right, those right. Things. So uh, that, that's yeah. They they looked it up and determined that the proper uh, word was disabled. Disabled. There. Yeah. Well, let's go to our last break, and we'll come back and finish up on table A. Want to know if your Seanstead locator is still under warranty? Go to Seanstead.com and click on Warranty Finder in the lower left-hand corner. Enter your six-digit serial number, and it will tell you everything you need to know. Out of warranty? Click on Repair Department. But here's a tip. Before sending it in, pick up a $25 discount by going to Specials and Sales under the Buy Now tab at www.schonstedt.com. Quick Stakes. 
is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. Attention surveyors, Seanstead announces the Maggie, the next generation magnetic locator. The Maggie combines the best features of two flagship Seanstead products, the sensitivity and precision of the GA52CX and the visual display and single-handed operation of the GA92XT. Contact your dealer for details or go to www.seanstead.com. Seanstead, the best just got better. You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening. All right, we're back to finalize our discussion on the 2016 Alta NSPS standards, and we're up to item 10 on table A. Yeah, um, t- item 10, we just made a couple, uh, ten, both the same change in 10A and 10B, and this is to help alleviate some problems with these two. What they used to say was a, a determination of the relationship and location of certain division or party walls designated by the client. Well, as, as almost every surveyor knows, clients would check those off and then not tell us. Uh, you know, there were certain party walls, for example, or, or a, uh, was a wall plumb, and they would just check it off. So what we've done is we've moved the words designated by the client to the very beginning of the item. So it now says, as designated by the client, a determination of the relationship and location of certain division or party walls with respect to adjoining properties. That's on A. And then B says, as designated by the client, a determination of whether certain walls are plumb. So it puts, uh, puts right up front there that the client needs to be giving us more information rather than just checking that item off. Right. And the in 11, on location of utilities, we made some some pretty uh, interesting, it's not the right word perhaps, but I think helpful changes. Yeah, the uh, as those who were with us last week know, we have took observed evidence of utilities, and, which used to be 11A, and that is now in the main part of the standards. And the, and the reason we did that was to alleviate problems that were occurring where people would say, well, I didn't need to locate that pole because it's a utility and nobody checked off item 11 on table A. Uh, however, if that pole is evidence of an easement, they did need to show it. And this, this was a, a problem. And so we felt like almost any utility infrastructure could be evidence of an easement. And so that's why we moved that observed evidence into the main part of the standards. So what's left now, and we did quite a bit of rewording on this, uh, location of utilities existing on or surveying the surveyed property as determined by, and then we have a list of items, observed evidence collected pursuant to Section 5E5, which is where we moved the that evidence from plans requested by the surveyor and obtained from utility companies or provided by the client 
which clarifies who is responsible for getting plans, and then markings requested by the surveyor pursuant to an 811 utility locate or similar request. So we've closed the loop on that to show that, in fact, under Table A, Item 11, which will not be 11A and B anymore, it'll just be 11, that the surveyor is who requests the plans, the surveyor is who makes the 811 uh, locate call. We also uh, took railroad tracks, spurs, and sightings out of examples of utilities because we put those into the main part of the standards. Uh, and then we modified the note that it was at the end of Table A, Item 11. Uh, and what it says is a, a note to the client, insurer, and lender. So this is clear that this is a note to them. And then it, it goes on and has the same wording we had before, which is a surveyor can only do certain things. We're going to develop a view of the underground utilities, but lacking excavation, uh, the exact location of underground features cannot be accurate and completely and reliably depicted. We then added another sentence, which says, in addition, in some jurisdictions, 811 or other similar utility locate requests from surveyors may be ignored or result in an incomplete response, in which case the surveyor shall note on the plat or map how this affected the surveyor's assessment of the location of the utilities. Uh, and then we said where additional or more detailed information is required, the client is advised that excavation and or a private utility locate request may be necessary. So I think that's a tremendous improvement and clarification for the client, the lender, the insurer to know uh, what you know, what they can expect and not expect when it comes to a utility to the uh, utility locations. Exactly, puts them on notice that the surveyor just can't be held responsible for things he has no control over. Yeah, exactly. So on uh, on item twelve, we did the same thing we did on item ten. Uh, this item 12 was the uh, other government agency survey requirements, and it now starts off by saying, as specified by the client. So I, I had had questions from people saying, well, the client checked off item 12, but they didn't, they didn't tell me anything about requirements. So now it's right up front there. If they check that off, it's up to them to tell us what requirements they're talking about. Uh, and I think that's an improvement there. On uh, item 13, we we have struck completely out of the main part of the standards, uh, putting names of adjoining owners on uh, on the platter map, and this is now totally an optional item. And it says names of adjoining owners according to current tax records. If more than one owner identify the first owner's name listed in the tax records, followed by at all, and I think that. That is a benefit to surveyors, number one, in that we don't have to be identifying the names of the adjoining owners, and it also provides more clear uh, information, more clear guidance to us on where we get that information and what our responsibility is. Right. At 14, we just uh, added as specified, moved it to the front like we did in, in others, so that right. makes sense. And right. then it looks like 15, we simply just added another term. By putting remote right, sensing. remote sensing, right. That's all we did with that one. Uh, 
16, 17, 18 were these uh, HUD items, and, and as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we struck the solid waste dump sump or sanitary landfill, which used to be item 18. Uh, we now, on item 16, which we used to say evidence of current earth-moving work, building construction or building additions, now says evidence of recent earth-moving work, building construction or building additions observed in the process of conducting the field work, which I think is a, an improvement and probably a, uh, a better than saying current. Uh, on 17, we said proposed changes in street right-of-way lines if such information is made available to the surveyor by the controlling jurisdiction, and then evidence of recent street or sidewalk con sidewalk construction or repairs observed in the process of conducting uh, the survey, and that probably should be field work right there, shouldn't it, Kurt? Mm -hmm. We uh trying to make that consistent throughout. Uh, on 18, then, which used to be the solid waste dump, uh, and we, we've moved up what used to be the wetlands item, and we have changed that significantly because that was a uh, the, probably one of the biggest bugaboos we had from last time. So what the item now says is uh, if there has been a field delineation of wetlands conducted by a qualified specialist hired by the client, the surveyor shall locate any delineation markers observed in the process of conducting the survey, and that would be field work again, uh, and show them on the face of the plat or map. If no markers were observed, the surveyor shall so state. But that would only be if the item was checked off. So I think that's a that will lay hopefully lay to rest the confusion that clients have had on uh, with respect to field or with respect to wetlands. Right. Um, so what used to be 19 now we've moved up to 20, or what used to be 20 is now 19, which was the uh, off-site easements. And we did two things with this one. One, we struck the monumentation of off-site easements. I, I think that was probably not a good idea to have in there. Uh, if, if nothing else, it's someone else's property probably taking on liability by monumenting off-site easements. Uh, the other thing, though, is that we have tried to give better guidance on this, and, and what it will now say is include any plottable off-site uh, pertinent easements or servitudes disclosed in documents provided to the surveyor as part of the survey pursuant to Sections 5 and 6 and applicable uh, selected table A items. So what we're saying is if somebody checks that off and there's a 800-foot-long off-site access easement, then we would survey that easement just as if it was part of the uh, of the fee parcel. Right. Then on our professional liability, when we put the statement in about not showing it on the face of the plat, Right. There have been occasions where lenders wanted the surveyor to identify what the extent of their coverage was right on the face of the plat, and I think that's a ridiculous request. I wouldn't do it uh, if they paid me. And so we, and in fact, I, ALTA, we uh, said that we should, I think we said this item need not be addressed, and they said, why don't you change that to shall not be addressed? I think that, that suggestion came from ALTA. Right. So, uh, 
so it becomes very clear that you know if you have to provide this uh, coverage that you don't have to show it on the face of the plat. Uh, the other thing, and Kurt, we talked about this, this, this phrase throughout the contract term has been confusing to a lot of people. And what that means, and, and as you know, I talked to Joe Jones at Victor O'Shinner on this, uh, the contract term is, is understood in the context of this, because this is, this is insurance cover, insurance company wording. Throughout the contract term is the contract between the surveyor and the client. So this means that um, my contract probably runs from when they sign it until I finish the survey and that get paid, then the contract is done. So this says I need to have that coverage during that time frame. Well, my liability, my liability is an entirely different issue, and that's controlled by state law. Sure. Well, here we are at the end of our time, and we're right on item 22 which is the fill-in one so thanks again for for being with me these last two weeks gary it's been very very helpful and uh and hopefully things will run smoothly when we let them go and and people ask lots of questions in seminars i'm sure so thanks again for being with me these two times my pleasure kurt appreciate it talk to you soon you're listening to america's the pioneer and leader in chat radio thank you for listening